it is time to tune up the band, and oh, Reardon, you are so funky! For it is another episode of the Sweet Shinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dad and Reardon, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. <laughs> Hello, chaps. <laughs> Hello. Oh, I... I mean, I appreciate someone finally acknowledging my funkiness. <laughs> you are one funky boy. Beautiful. I would have thought that if Ridden did have a wrestling gimmick in the 90s, it probably would be Flash Funk. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I can't argue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it has been a bit of a, a, a busy week for me, personally. But how's your week been, uh, guys? I have to say, this has been a pretty good week for me. <clears throat> Work has been been going fine. Everything's been going fine, you know. And I, I just hope the same for you guys. Yeah, it's been pretty good for me. It's been a tiring week. Uh, just because I've been on the good old recovery from uh, being ill. Mm. But, um, you know, we get on with stuff. Um, I gave myself a day off to recover. And uh, I've... I can't lie, I, I've fucking demolished a bottle of um, honey and lemon cough linctus. <laughs> uh, but I'm on the other side of it, so uh, I'm feeling good. Even even if um, I, I was at I was at football with people from I was at football um, with um, some people I do coaching with, and I ran for like five minutes, and I fully was just like leaning over, just like, oh god, I'm so tired. <laughs> That's a mood. Even when I walk up a hill, like a slight, like a slight slope, that's me in about two minutes. <laughs> I was like, man, it feels like I'm trying to breathe through jelly or something. <laughs> Although I do feel like I've recovered from a cold a lot quicker than I would have a couple of years ago. So I guess my immune mm. system's doing all right nowadays. <laughs> something, something in those lozenges, man. I swear to God, I, I know. Like, Strepsils, man. I highly recommend them. Anyway, they got you is... feeling different. <laughs> this isn't a sponsorship from Strepsils, but it I isn't. would like to say that we do oh, give yeah, yeah. Pod- if they want to. I'm, I'm not against yeah, it. Well, I mean, I'm not against that, especially the winter months. But yes, we do give you this hmm. podcast. Thank you, thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending several other platforms. Yeah, <laughs> you know what, guys. There are a lot of things that we are too cool for, but we are not too cool for pending, of which we always, always are. <laughs> I like it. Man, you're getting... Mm. I mean, you are a natural at this now, Reardon. I, I, I am. I've been he's doing got, this he's, for, got, he's got it down. I've been doing this for a solidly <laughs> for this bit for over a year now. This is like... I don't think I can fail at this anymore. He don't miss. He don't I, miss I, everybody. I, I am. This I have fucking done, don't miss. I have. Nah, he done, is fucking good. Like I have done my a thousand hours, <laughs> my ten thousand hours of this one bit. It's fine. I fear. I fear not the man who has done ten thousand bits one, but the man who has done one bit ten thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually That's, so true. That is so very true. <laughs> so we are staying rolling through uh, Black History Month. But before we get oh. on to the main part of this episode, which is all about Too Cold Scorpio, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. 
wrestling news. <laughs> Got any clicks in there too? Wow. You love it. You love it. Ooh. Um, so obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff that has happened uh, in wrestling recently. Continuation of Queen's Crown, King of the Ring, um, AEW continuing going on. Um, but we're using this time once again for a bit of discourse because there's a lot of stuff that's going around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time we're focusing on British wrestling. Um, Everybody's favorite. <laughs> man. <laughs> um, so I want to start this by saying I don't want to discredit the amazing people in British wrestling who are helping bring back the industry um, and bring back shows and bring back the enjoyment and excitement of wrestling to adults, kids, and everyone around that wants to get involved and watch wrestling. Because there's plenty of those people. Like I'm, I've been highlighting through this and hopefully that we've been highlighting throughout the entire time we've been running this show. Hmm. <laughs> But wrestling as ever continues to be a deeply flawed industry. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And unfortunately, um, the more things change, the more things stay the same. (laughs) (sighs) So I want to talk about two really important discussions that we need to have as wrestling fans. One uh, we'll get. I'll get to later, but is representation. Mm-hmm. The first one, though, is safety, uh, which is which, which is naturally that fans need to feel safe at shows. It blows my mind. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know what? It doesn't blow my mind that a year and a half on, we're still we're still talking about this. When I think about it. <laughs> hmm. Because it's like, as you said, the more things change, the more things stay the goddamn bloody same. <laughs> and it's annoying that we're here at this point and we're dealing with a case, multiple, or even multiple cases, where both there is culpability across the booker, the promoter, the company running it, and the person at hand here. Mm. Like this isn't this isn't an across the board thing for whatever co- for the company that is being described here. Yeah. Um. And like I said, I w- I really want to get across this fundamental thing that it's not about trying to run people out of the industry because we don't like them. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know trying to forward some kind of agenda if people want to go across that route. Mm-hmm. People need to feel safe at shows. And one yeah. part of that is ensuring that the people who are on your shows are safe people to be working with. Correct. <laughs> and I feel... When so... It... Oh, go on. It's annoying when we get here... And we see that there's a person who was rightfully outed for their behavior mm-hmm. um, relating to, I'm going to say, certain matters that were publicized and have been made known, <laughs> and that 
we're at this point where we're uh, a year ahead of time. We have full knowledge of this, and he's still being booked. Yeah. It's it's beyond annoying. Yeah. Actually, that this is still the case. And I just... It boggles the mind when you'd think when when i i see this happening time and again uh, mm-hmm. and it's like don't it's like certain companies uh so i won't name names because we're not here just to, to, to we're not here to kind of like shoot from the hip or anything i'm certainly not here to no. shoot from the hip <laughs> but there are certain companies that publicly stated actually that they would you know from this point on afterwards we've heard what everything's happened we're going to we're going to ensure that everyone from uh, from performers to to the audience are as safe as humanly possible in these matches and these events and uh we won't be booking certain people here and there and again and what do they do they end up booking the same people again and again and it's just like are you not practicing what you preach right now because it certainly doesn't look that way no and so we're at this point now where these people who we've looked at and we've said like hey look we know that this person is potentially you know potentially or is known to be a problem Hmm. like it, it shouldn't it's not safe to have them around and I mean, again, in one case that we're dealing with here, we're dealing with a person that lost their job with a major company because of this. Yeah. And we're talking about a major company that, for the most part, didn't really respond to it. And they still lost their position after admitting culpability. Yeah. Right. And what's even more egregious about it is that we know beforehand that this person had ditched the gimmick, changed their name, and had worked family shows. Mm-hmm. So you look at that, and then you ask yourself, how can I feel safe? Yeah. You I know, mean, especially, especially when you're dealing with, you know, I'm going to say certain particularities of gimmicks, which might make it harder to know who people are. Yeah. Do you go by their word? Well, if that's the case, they're going to have to prove a lot. If you, if it were me, that you're going to have to prove a lot that you are a changed person. You're going to have and to that, prove And that's been lot. the thing. That's been the thing. It, it, it's not about like trying to run people out of the business. People who come back and work in earnest to fix the damage they've caused mm. can be welcomed and can be redeemed mm-hmm. assuming that they take that earnestly yes not that they try and change their name and sneak back into the business yeah yeah that 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 isn't that isn't addressing anything that's not that's not trying to fix the problems that have been caused that's more like sweeping and, it under the carpet isn't it <laughs> And so we're here, and people have gone to a show, paid money for it, they've seen the poster, they've attended the show, they've got to, like, the, you know, we'll say they've got to, like, the 
second to last final match main event whatever right they've spent their money at the event they might have bought a piece of merch they might have bought food and drinks which all goes into the profits of a company okay mm-hmm. and then they're there and they're seeing a person that they don't want to see and that they know has a record as an abuser how betrayed must you feel because what we're talking about here and to be this is a thing i've gone on big talks about um the lovely um uh davy at queer wrestling on twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> lovely guy absolutely lovely guy um i've spoken to him about it before but it's shocking the amount of promotions in the uk that do not have a functional website yeah <sighs> and that yeah, their, yeah. their main base for information is like a facebook page because i mean this will comes into a bigger discussion about accessibility yeah which needs to be improved massively i'm sorry but if you're if you're promotion running shows of any kind of significant scale you need to have a website I know. I know. Look, here's the thing. Everyone knows promoters and bookers. They're cheap things, and they'll pretty much do anything on the free and, if they absolutely. And, and will, the thing, but... the thing, the thing I've said is, if you are running from a Facebook page, right, that is fine because you know some people don't have the money to put into managing a website and they don't have the resources. But if you're going to be doing that, don't hide information. Absolutely don't. If you are going to be doing that, make sure every single post about an event has a full match card. Mm-hmm. Make sure that all the information is there. Date, location. When you have the location, have the address underneath it. Prices for tickets. Um, also, I also recommend saying whether or not you are selling food and drink at the event. Yeah. Just because it is useful for it is useful for some people. Um, it was a consideration that was raised to me by a friend of mine who's actually diabetic. Yeah. Um, so it is useful information to have but make sure every single post has that because I'm sorry I think it is actually unreasonable for someone to trawl through multiple posts to find um, a piece of information about who is on a show and that brings me to another thing of if you are getting if you are making a match graphic and, and, and like a whole kind of post to, to promote it please don't be so sneaky as to try and uh, hide the fact that you are uh, putting a controversial person on your card by giving them the yeah. tiniest little picture and putting it in the corner. Because I've seen so many promotions do that recently, and it really yeah. grinds my gears. Like we 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 shouldn't be at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. And th- th- this is, I guess, like my open appeal. <clears throat> but please, promoters, be upfront with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. I think you Be win a lot open. more trust with 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 fans <clears throat> and wrestlers alike if you are just straightforward. Don't look. It's every. It's that old. It's like the wrestling code is you know play your audience. It's like no, we we are so past that now. Just be upfront and honest, and I guarantee look, you win a lot more trust us, and goodwill. Us as a good, you know, and I know obviously this isn't everyone. And there are there are still many many people out there who have yet to know about, well, in some in some way, whether it's through willful ignorance 
or just that because they you know they aren't online savvy people mm. that have don't know about speaking out don't know that's happened right i'm fully aware of that mm-hmm. but please be open and be honest with your audience and the people that are paying yeah right and i say this to anyone that's attending a show and i know i'm probably gonna end up having a bunch of burners from promoters on me after this fine because i'm willing to stand for what i believe in <laughs> if you're a member of an audience and you go to a show and you see a person that wasn't announced or you know wasn't advertised as being on the show that is on the show that you know is an abuser or has been named in speaking out please feel empowered to leave yeah you've got i mean you have every right to 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 if you feel that your show. trust if you feel that your trust has been betrayed by the show for whatever reason maybe you go to the show and you just don't like it mm. please feel empowered to just leave please feel empowered to speak openly about the shows you've gone to obviously don't just slander people oh, yeah. that achieves yeah. nothing but if you know if you share honest experiences about events about promoters wrestlers talk to other wrestlers so that they know Mm. because there's nothing worse than someone being out there and knowing a situation and then letting another person fall into it Mm -hmm. right these are all small things that we can do and as i as i say ever again much like when we spoke about the previous we spoke previously about representation in wrestling which we will get to afterwards and specifically Mm. for the uk Vote with your money. Yeah. There are many, many great companies out there who've taken actual proper steps. Um, Resurgence, Future Shock, um, the the amazing people over at Catch. Um, You know, I know they're still back and forth on, on certain stuff, but I fairly sure people hold north ncl in high regard lots of people i hold in good regard in regards to this Mm. work nc at north ncl so i i choose to believe them agreed um and you know any manner of other company and any manner of other companies as well you know there are ones still yet to come back like um riot cabaret pro dna who who are pretty great they're over in um I think they're out towards Ipswich way. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, all of these really, really cool companies and people out here that are taking these steps to actually make a difference, put your money towards them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Special shout outs as well. I must, I must give it to, uh, to shady because he, he's, he's been, he's an absolutely lovely boat bloke and a great yeah, wrestler target. as well. Uh, and uh, you know, one of my favourite guests we've had on the podcast as well. <laughs> oh, lovely talking to him. <laughs> lovely dude with an absolute wealth of knowledge in the world of wrestling as well. It blows my mind. That's what just... 20, 20 years experience will get you. Yeah, and facing off against a hell of a lot of like a wide array of uh, of competitors as well. So no, like <clears throat> it's it feels like there is something happening, but there's just this real big 
pull and pushback from it happening and it's not like it's it's going to irrevocably change wrestling for the worse if anything it's just gonna make it a much more safer much more positive experience to go to because i'm gonna be upfront and honest i've been to a many a wrestling show where it was an incredibly negative experience uh and that's a contributing factor to certain things uh performers wrestlers audience members maybe the promotion maybe there was something surprising that didn't work out all too well and people got angry uh, and stuff like that merch table things other things like that i have heard a great number of horror stories from many from many of my friends who are wrestling fans who actually go to go to shows so Uh, hmm. yeah it needs to be sorted it absolutely does. I say one thing. I like little smaller side. For the love of God, I don't care how much it costs. Please put guardrails up because I'm sick to death yeah. of being ha- having the fans having to be flipping suicide. It's not. It's not safe. It's not on. I don't like seeing being toe paid and having the audience be an active participant and potentially getting hurt in the process. I've I've never been a fan of that. I'm sorry. I've just never have been. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's my shoot there. <laughs> That's fine. No, it's it's totally valid. But then we get to go from that discussion to the discussion on representation in British wrestling. Oh, um, so let's 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 just do a bit of. I mean, honestly, I think the first part is just kind of unpacking everything. Yeah. Of which I think we still need to be in acknowledgement of the fact of across the board, UK and US wrestling is an exceedingly white industry yes and has been for such a long time <laughs> it has been for yeah and has been for an incredibly long time <clears throat> um and that what we need to do is we need to continue to have these very kind of frank conversations yeah about both the industry's relation to race um but also us as people in the uk in relation to race um <laughs> So, kind of the the thread that began this is obviously the con- the continuing work of many many great black British wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, I look to people like uh, Big Wavy Roy Johnson, who has been so up on this, and it's been fantastic to see him continuing to go with this. Uh, man like Darius, mm-hmm. um, continuing on it as well, but. And and all the amazing um, black British wrestling creators like the guys over at um, Rest Things oh. um, have spoken about it as well. Do love Rest Things. Um, they're great guys. Would absolutely love to go to a show with them sometime soon. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And then of and then of course the uh, work that's being done in the US by people like um, J Rose, the Black Wrestling Draws movement, Seahawk, all of that coming in together to create this you know, this larger thing. Mm-hmm. But um, much like much like many people, um, one of the things that really got to me recently is I saw a poster for an indie show in South London with no black wrestlers. Jeez. Impossible. That should and be I, impossible. And that's what I mean. I was like, surely that's impossible. Like, like some of the most like up and coming wrestlers right now 
I'd say the two that really spring to mind are Man Like Darice and OJMO. So how the how in the world do you have a card <coughs> in in the UK and not have those two on it? And like, because like when I when I first spoke about this to other people that I know, like obviously part of it is you know we're we're talking of like a very much local level promotion here, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not talking anything big. We're talking about you know like a local promotion doing like a, a village hall kind of thing, mm. you know, all that equivalent, right? It's like, you know, you know, like an old school leisure center show, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we're not, we're not talking big money or anything. We're not talking anything crazy. We're talking like maybe 100, 100 plastic seats or so. Yeah. Right. That kind of thing. <clears throat> and uh, I, I kind of said in response, I was like, yeah, okay. Right. We're talking like, you know, it's a small promotion, whatever, right? <clears throat> but given the area that we are in, mm-hmm. I know this area, right? Yeah. Yes. There's n- there's no way you're telling me that you could not find one black wrestler for this show. <laughs> that was even vaguely local to here. Yeah. Well, yeah. You cannot. Yeah. You have like I basically it it it's it summed up in you have no excuse if you're in London. You have no oh, but zero excuse. It's straight up beggar's belief. Yeah, yeah. because like, I, I I don't un, I genuinely look at it and I go, okay, right. You are you are a promoter, okay. You are working a show in quite a you know a quite a largely mixed ethnicity area. Right, largely historically black, but also with like quite a large um, Indian Indian and like, Indian subcontinent community as well. Mm. You are telling me there was not one non-white wrestler. Don't give me the excuse that they were all up north. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like no, 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 no. You are in London. You are in. London, like, Southeast London. <laughs> it's not. It's in Southeast, like South London. I, I, I can't like emphasize the point for some for someone who's never been to London and South London specifically. <clears throat> there has not been a single day where I have not seen many black people. <laughs> many. It's like it just. It's just impossible. <clears throat> how did this happen? And it, it, it blows my mind as well to, to, to all of that. And I think, like, how much, especially in South and Southeast London, how many, you know, how many, like, how many members of the black community grew up watching and loving <clears throat> wrestling and how many of yeah. them have gone in to train to be a wrestler? Yeah. It's like wrestling, wrestling, uh, uh, like I say, like <coughs> wrestling and rap culture, especially in London, are like hand and glove. Oh, yeah. It's. I don't know how you do that, man. How and that so possible? this kind of stems into a bunch of separate points, which is obviously promoters in the UK, please do do take steps to platform black talent mm. because as we said this is a pre- 
predominantly and historically white industry. Yes, you can be there and say that maybe our record is better and slightly better in the UK, but that makes no excuses for the current day. Mm-hmm. All right. The past is the past. Now is now. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we are continuing on with this work. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh, God, Dad, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. And then, <laughs> honestly... <clears throat> Honestly, my next step to this is then <clears throat> for those promoters who are out there and who are saying, I don't see why this is an issue or, um, oh, I, I, you know, I wasn't able to find someone on the time or whatever, you know, whatever reason you want to give. <laughs> Two things. One you can put in the time. Mm-hmm. Anyone can put in the time. Second, reach out to these communities. Yes. Do your, you know, even with the wrestlers you have, they've got to train somewhere. Mm-hmm. So why not be part of that process? Yes, it does. Yes, it does involve money. It does involve time on your part. But if you're there and you're saying, "Man, our shows are, you know, predominantly white," why not put some money and some time towards helping more wrestlers from other backgrounds come through? Yeah. Be active. Take part. You know, this is a chance for you and so many others to take an extra step and show that you're actually going above and beyond the call. Indeed. Indeed. Right? Oh, I was going to say, another thing, like, for, for me, is that if people believe that this is only a very recent thing or that people say I could but I wouldn't believe that they would draw the talent in that let's not forget that Reardon has a family member who not only was a cultural touchstone of the British wrestling scene but wrestled across the world and actually as a matter of fact wrestled Antonio Inoki so there you go yeah, yeah it happens they exist and it blew all of Come our minds when we checked his cage match and saw that he had wrestled in New Japan with Antonio Inoki yeah, as as a brief aside, like I know, like we've been re- anyone who has footage of that in somewhere in the ether, please reach out to us because we've been <laughs> yeah. trying to find some of this stuff. But obviously, records being what they are, we've had a hell of a time. All I've all I've ever been able to find is one match from World of Sport. Yeah. So if anyone has any footage, of so that, yeah, please. if anyone has um, happens to have footage from New Japan at that time. Um, please. And again, I want to renew our call. If anyone has the footage of Jinder Mahal in IGF <laughs> just lying around, if anyone has that, beautiful if you could send that to us. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's, because it, it says, like, you know, if look at America and look how well um, black wrestlers are doing right now. 
actually just as recently as Lee Moriarty officially signing with AEW at the moment. It's it's Lee Moriarty. It's it's um, people like Shug D get uh, winning the Paradigm title. Uh, Darius Lockhart as well, like having yeah. a, not only having an amazing match with Lee Moriarty, but recently made an appearance in AEW Dark, and I think he's going to be the next standout name in the independence. Darius Lockhart, Darius Carter, um, as I mentioned last week, um, you know we we can we can go on and on and on and rattle off names, right? But you got to think about what we have in the UK. Yeah. And I really think we've got potential for something really special in terms of a almost like a black wrestling revival. Yeah. Like, this could be a really big moment for us. And we, you know, we can feel the joy of having our talent attend for the culture oh that'd be so cool to see <laughs> we can have the we can have the joy of seeing fit of seeing you know for example um i mean i'm gonna mention two great women's wrestlers but you know i i'm gonna mention some of them now i would love it if we had the possibility of trish adora coming and defending the pawd over here oh yeah or, and as I say, for the culture, right? Have them have a moment where we can have our own black talent have their own event. Mm. That's that's how close we are. We just need that extra step, and for for the people making decisions to take notice indeed otherwise it's very much a situation of fine we'll do it ourselves mm-hmm. yeah agreed agreed i feel apologies if i feel like if if you haven't been able to, to chat uh, a lot really but do you actually have like anything to kind of conclude with all of this i'm i kind of I, I have nothing else. I'm, I'm kind of sick of excuses. I'm kind of sick of them, yeah. to be quite frank. <laughs> I've, heard it, I've heard it all before. It was bullshit then. It's bullshit now. I mean, because like, you, you can you can say as a person that has worked in media. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard, probably heard it all. Heard all of it before. And at a certain point, it's just put up or shut up. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Give it a go. South yeah. London, you know. My God, <laughs> I know. Like Brixton, man, a wrestling hotbed. You can't say that. Me. You can't say that. You can't. Don't give me that. You cannot. You, know? you cannot give the. I could not find a. I could not find a member of Black Talent when you're in Bricky. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> that's be, that's I, deep BS. Yeah, like it is impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> It's not even like a lie. It's impossible. <laughs> oh man! Um, so Dan, um, apart from that, is there anything else that we want to discuss, or are we is are we done with the news? Uh, I think we're done with the news. Awesome. Let's go over. Let's go over to recommendation corner. This week's feature wrestlers of the week. 
uh, I want to mention two amazing black women uh, in the British wrestling scene. In fact, actually, why not? I'll make it free. Ooh. Um, so I want to start off with um, one who's make, been making re- uh, recent appearances in North NCL, um, but that is uh, Rio, R-H-I-O. Um, he's doing amazing work as ever, continuing up an absolutely hot end of 2020. Mm. Um, and then also to mention Chikara, C-H-A-K-A-R-A, not to be confused with the former promotion. Because <laughs> uh, a couple people made that mistake. Yes. Um, coming off a really hot year on both previously the, I believe it was the PWI Women's 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the BWI 500. Uh, and then right now, kind of the one of the marquee women of British wrestling right now, um, obviously having made appearances for, I mean, name a promotion, she's probably been there uh, and wrestled uh, at top level for them. But uh, Teonga, um, oh, yeah. who's doing so well. Um, coming off the back of multiple matches with people like Alexis Falcon, Lizzie Evo, um, like recent work uh, with Catch, and basically any British promotion you can think of. <laughs> uh, she's in demand, and for all the right reasons. I have heard nothing but good things about her, so yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Good recommendations there. Uh, featured wrestlers, I should say there, Dan. Yeah. Reardon, what is your recommendation of this week? I have a good recommendation today. Ooh. I really do. This is one where, like, like I've made recommendations. This is I highly recommend it. <laughs> so, amongst us, the Sweet Chinwag podcast, we all like our superheroes. We all like our YouTube. And we all like just our weird, funny videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way for me to say other than ace vane is perhaps the funniest person <laughs> in my subscription <laughs> a basically a man who does various diff- various um uses like various superhero animations and all that kind of stuff and basically does like abridged versions of it <laughs> like a bridge skits i have never laughed harder than any with with someone's videos than him that i i don't have like a specific recommendation all of it is gold you can click on it randomly and you will be dying of laughter i i i cannot emphasize enough how funny this man is. <laughs> Are you trying to sell me on it now, Reardon? I'm going to be sending all of you guys some of, like, just the ones off the top of my head. But Oh, please do. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough how funny this guy is. Oh. It's some of the greatest skits I've ever seen with a bridge stuff. Like, oh, oh it's so good. So that's, um, that is A-C-E-V-A-N-E. Look, and if you see something with like Superman, Spider Man, or whatever, that's him. Oh. <laughs> it is. 
I cannot emphasize enough, incredible. Ooh. I will be sending you guys this guy. He's amazing. That is my recommendation. <laughs> Go and watch this man. He needs more hits. <laughs> oh, will do, man. Will do. Nice recommendation. Nice recommendation. And please, uh, when this when we do end recording, please do link me a few of his uh, oh, few of their videos. Oh, oh, I will be. I will be. <laughs> Rin's going to pull up with the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this leads us then into our main portion. Welcome, gentlemen, to the Two Cold Scorpio retrospective. Ah, oh, this one's exciting. This one's very exciting for a number of reasons. Uh, one for me, I've been a Scorpio fan for the longest time, and two, I feel like over the course of of well, as we're nearing two years of doing this podcast. I feel like I've I've steadily converted Reardon to becoming a too cold Scorpio fan. Is this true? Is it true? <laughs> Is this true? Good question. Good damn question. Man. Find out at the end of the show. <laughs> yes. Ah <laughs> oh, yes, leave people on tender hooks. I love it. I love it. Alright, so let us get in to the nitty-gritty, as we always like to do with these retrospectives at the beginning. Because as it goes, it's always a good place to start. <laughs> Indeed. Born Charles Bernard Skaggs in October 1965 in Texas, Two Cold Scorpio would then make Denver, Colorado his home. Now, he was like every American wrestler in their youth at this time. He ran track, he played football, dabbled in basketball, supposedly boxing as well, though I can't 100% confirm if he did or not. Mm. It varies on what bits of kind of interviews and, and written pieces about Scorpio I could find. But I'll go with the assumption that he potentially boxed here and there. Yeah, uh, and that's... I mean, it seems to be. It does seem to be a surprisingly common thing among um, wrestlers of a certain generation that they were definitely athletic during their youth. That's that's for dance. Well, no, it's, it's just like when we're talking about um, when we're talking about lucha, and they all started as boxers. Yes. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine like Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson deciding? You know what? Time for a career change, boys. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the thing, as we know... I was going to say, Tyson Tyson popped up more than enough times to arguably justify it. And Ali, um, and Ali did face a Nokia at one point, so... Yeah. That, did, that is a thing that happened, unfortunately. <laughs> Ali has been cited as the inspiration of quite a few wrestlers for their promos, not that you'd be able to tell from them, but... <laughs> I'd argue the only one that you could probably tell by the way they do promos is probably The Rock... Yeah. But Yeah. Yeah. Um so apart from that, I couldn't really find much else about his youth and what he was doing like during his school years. And not back when whole... he was... Oh, sorry. Back when he was only a slightly chilled scorpion. Yes, he was a slightly <laughs> yeah. chilled scorpion. <laughs> Uh, not a mild, mildly warm Scorpio. <laughs> mildly warm Scorpio. Lukewarm Scorpio. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, not much is known how he got into wrestling, but what he has stated in previous interviews and, and shoot videos that he's done in the past is that he was actually self-trained 
and uh, would train himself in a backyard ring owned by someone, I believe, called Michael Starr before he made his in-ring debut in 1985. So after self-training for a number of years, he ended up having, uh, having uh, starting out his career in the Colorado Indies here and there. And it was from, you know, making waves and just kind of pounding the pavement in the in his local scene that he had a chance meeting with Big Van Vader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fellow Colorado native, might I add, Big Van Vader. I, feel, I don't know why, but I feel like that story missed a good couple steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely did. Problem is... I don't know. I, I, I find it so... I do find it interesting that he was, that he was largely self-trained. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yes. Uh, fun, fun little fact, as I always like to do with these things. I think it was during this time when he was self-training that he accidentally invented the 450 splash. <laughs> the reason... How does one accidentally invent that? Well, so... this is why I asked Sam last time he, he mentioned this to me. <laughs> so, uh, he was trying to do a flipping senton from the top rope. But from his, from as I as quoted by him, he over rotated and landed on his face, and thus he thought, you know what, that actually make a cool move. <laughs> I could make a move out of this. <laughs> I love the idea of over rotating. <laughs> I I have flipped in the air just a tad too much. <laughs> so uh, uh, indie spot monkeys and the people that hate flippy dippy shit. I guess you could thank Scorpio for that. so back to that big van vader as a matter of fact vader absolutely loved what scorpio was doing and from that and becoming and building up a, a little bit of a friendship and a rapport with him recommended him to travel to japan and train at the new japan dojo Again, I feel like this is missing some steps. Because <laughs> I just love the entire premise that Vader just saw him and was like, that's cool, I like him. And then she went, you're off to Japan. <laughs> so it was actually Vader that was the kind of the liaison to the New yeah. Japan officials because at this time Vader was the big gaijin heel. He was the one that uh, had defeated Anoki <laughs> in devastating fashion yes. and caused New Japan to be banned from the Budokan uh, for, for a long time. I just love Big Van Vader like arguably one of Japan's most infamous gaijin heels talent agent <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know I, I kind of like that I kind of like that <laughs> and so yeah from that point he started training toughed it out of the grueling regime as everyone knows is uh, yeah. uh, usually in New Japan they will stretch you to within an inch of your life they will get you doing 500 squats, press ups sit ups, make you do marathons around the they local just put area you, they just put you in a match to just get beaten to hell by um, like one of the older wrestlers <laughs> yep yeah. uh, according to him he had a lot of uh, moments and training sessions with, uh, with uh, Liger He'd had a couple of training sessions with Anoki where basically Anoki would come in, stretch the hell out of the young boys, and then leave. (laughs) 
But he Oh became... Inoki. <laughs> you gotta love Inoki. And then slap him in the face and then and then walk off. <laughs> no. He ended up through that. He he toughed it out, became one of the star pupils of the dojo. And uh from that he would make his debut for New Japan as the Flying Scorpio. In his first match, believe it or not, was teaming up with Owen Hart to take on Black Cat and Negro Casas. That's... I never knew Black okay. Cat from Spider-Man had a wrestling career, but I'm, okay. I'm interested to see 1980s Japan doing, doing an intergender tag match. So You know, I gotta say... Even for our standards, this story of Two Cold Scorpio is sounding impressively fake. It really is, <laughs> but it's true. That's the craziest thing about it. We have not been speaking on this man for five minutes, and I'm all. And we've been stopping multiple times. It's 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 gone from entirely like little information about his early life. <laughs> yes. Nothing about any collegiate sports <laughs> to entirely self-trained to Vader literally saw him in like Denver. <laughs> I was like, man, he's really cool. You're off to Japan. Um, <laughs> joining the New Japan Dojo to then match with Owen Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Debut match with Owen Hart. What is this? Trust me, it gets crazier. So, soon after his debut, and I'm literally talking second match in New Japan, Scorpio would be a participant in the second top of the Super Juniors tournament. This Now, this tournament is the precursor to the best of to the Super Juniors. BOSJ. Uh, this is the 91 uh, version of, okay. of, of that tournament. In a card stacked with notable names that included Jushin Liger, Fit Finley, The Pegasus Kid... Negro mm-hmm. Casas and the eventual mm-hmm. winner Norio Honaga. Yeah, so basically they were just like, okay, so we need to just get a laundry list of like the greatest kind of non-heavyweight wrestlers. <laughs> yes. And uh, he didn't win. As a matter of fact, I believe he came second or absolutely actually dead last in that tournament. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, with the amount of people that are in that, I mean. However, he did have quite notable matches with uh, Liger, Owen Hart, and Dave Finley in that tournament. So he started making quite a name for himself, like immediately coming out of the dojo. Yeah, Finley in the New Japan was a menace. He, oh, if you thought he was a menace in WWE, Reardon, Finley was on like another level in New Japan and WCW oh, for that matter be. as well. He, he, was, he was a he menace. Definitely, he would definitely would have been because they were been like, hey, Hey, Anoki, what can I do to these young guys? Whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, that is actually true. (laughs) Hey, you want to slap someone about? Say less. (laughs) Literally, literally, I want to to break some of the younger wrestlers and get paid for it. You've come to the right place. Of course, there's that very famous image, or if everyone's seen the footage, of uh, of a match in WCW between Finley and and Stephen Regal, where the camera catches Finley square-punching Regal full-on right on the nose. Bang! He hits him, and Regal is bleeding. (laughs) Just... (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was against. There's one in WCW, 
where he does a he does a pin with like with like a fate with like the arm over the face. Mm-hmm. I can't lie. He puts a little bit of extra sauce on the on the face wash with the arm. Oh, he, t- he did. <laughs> it's <this>. disgusting. <laughs> so, throughout 1992, though, uh, Scorpio would team up with the Pegasus Kid in various tag matches before taking part in the third Super Junior tournament. This one was very notable for featuring a young, debuting Eddie Guerrero before he became black, uh, took over the mantle of Black Tiger. From uh, from Mark Rollerball Rocco, actually, who was I know it's interesting. Tiger. It's interesting that it's Mark Rocco. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mark Rocco. <clears throat> uh, so after a short excursion in Mexico uh, for UWA at the end of 1992, he joined oh <laughs> World Championship Wrestling once again. Believe it or not, on the suggestion of Big Van Vader bigging Scorpio up. <laughs> Was Vader just going about just like, yo, I've got this guy who's really cool. I can't lie, like Vader, Vader was in it for the mandem. He we, no, he absolutely <laughs> was. And if you've seen interviews, Scorpio has nothing but kind of like love and adulation for Vader. I'm not he was surprised. The one that helped him out break into wrestling. Vader was Vader was back in Scorpio every single every single step. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and as we get into it, for bloody good reason. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so here we are with WCW. Scorpio would debut for WCW at November's Clash of the Champions 21, revealed as the secret tag team partner of Ron Simmons to defeat Cactus Jack, okay. yeah. the Barbarian, and Tony oh, Atlas. No. Okay, that's okay. That's that's certainly a lineup, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Why did the Barbarian have to be there? <laughs> I have no idea, Dan. I feel like I could get away with Tony Atlas and who was the first one again? Cactus Jack. Yeah, Cactus Jack and Tony Atlas is weird, but I I, I can I can allow it. I don't think I, I don't know why the Barbarian has to be there. I think we're in Jim Hurd WCW at this point. Like, well, I this is what ninety ninety two. Oh, this is Jim Hurd. This is so Jim Hurd at this point. <laughs> Um, okay, sorry, forgive me, I was wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, safe to say that immediately from that point, Scorpio would become and remain a firm favourite with fans. Uh, is everyone, is anyone seen? Have you two actually seen the very uh, famous vignette promos of Scorpio dancing? The very, where, the, where he's um, in the basketball court with the kids and then he starts dancing. Yes. Yes. It's... <laughs> Reardon, I highly recommend. I'll probably link you to it if you have not seen it. I highly recommend this because it is. It's something. And I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but Scorpio said it helped him become more popular. Wow. What? I welcome it. I welcome it. I mean, it's weird and doesn't make sense, but I mean, it does make sense in a way. I mean, that's wrestling in a nutshell, frankly. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but as I said, yes, yeah, Scorpio remained quite a firm favourite uh, and had matches with the likes of uh, Brian Pillman, Steve Austin, Scotty Flamingo, Vinny Vegas, and um, Chris Pinoir. Uh, <laughs> yes. Fun little thing. Steven Richards. 
A funny little thing is that Brian Pillman wasn't particularly a fan of Scorpio when he came in because Pillman was seemed to be quite a little bit jealous of Scorpio because Pillman was known at this time as quite a, a, a natural high flyer. He was known for his uh, like incredible agility and yeah. his, his great big dives and, and, uh, and uh, moves that he would do. And here comes Scorpio with, with, well, with just agility at the yin-yang, basically. Hey, he would have... Hey. Hey Pillman, basically Pillman had to go had to go into work and then just have everyone be like, "Hey, have you seen this new? Have you seen this new kid that we've got in? He's like you and does everything the same." <laughs> and Pillman's probably just there, like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, "Yeah, he, I'm, and I'm like." He, I, God, can you imagine? God bless you, Pillman. Rest in peace. But can you imagine him, him like them talking about him and Pillman like drinking and just thinking he trained where? <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think my favorite, I, the way I envision it is I, like, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. You know those like scenes where like someone's working in an office and then they bring in someone new. Yeah, and there's yeah. like the and there's like the guy who's been there for like four years and then like oh my god he's so good with like excel and he's just and pillman's over there like yeah i'm good with it too what about it (laughs) (laughs) i mean this is i mean the guy was pulling off like such incredible agility like not only 450 splashes but of course the backflip leg drop or the moonsault leg drop the tumbleweed as he calls it um i still can't it blows my mind how he's able to do the splash but be able to turn 180 degrees in the air yeah it's like it's it's like it's a frog splash with a 180 rotation it's insane how that is as <laughs> how that is a thing and he's able to pull it off so well uh oh, but again but apart but apart from that he said once brian and scorpio started talking that jealousy kind of kind of went away and then when they both started having matches together both of them loved working with each other because you know they're just like what crazy stuff can we do today yes can i how far can i jump in the air whilst looking like we're not even like falling back down on the ground (laughs) so by june 93 he challenged for the nwa world heavyweight championship in a losing effort to barry windham (laughs) Barry Windham, NWA champion. Yes, remember this is All the right. time where Flair wasn't here. Uh, no, I mean, yes. I mean, uh, yes, I know, because <laughs> this was this would have, but this has been after. I mean, obviously, this was Jim Hurd era WCW, so like any decision was was debatably sane. Yes, for the most part. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I can't say I remember it, but um, sure. <laughs> but he did have championship success in WCW, winning the tag team championships in 1993 with his unlikely partner. Drum roll, please. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yes, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't trust me. It's it's cursed looking at it, but they did tag team together. This was before Bagwell 
Uh, this was before American Males Bagwell, and this definitely was before Buff Bagwell. Why? Because... I mean, we're never going to know the answer to that question, but I'm still going to ask it into the void. <laughs> <laughs> they had nothing better for Scorpio. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know who's looking at two cold Scorpio and goes, Buff Bagwell. And that's Someone the thing, like and on a copious amount of drugs. I mean, to be fair, it was like what nineteen ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, someone was definitely doing smack. <laughs> um, I will say at this point as well, like during that time, Scorpio was teaming with Ron Simmons, which makes you think that well, that's a perfect tag team in of itself. Yeah, so why didn't that's they a perfect that? match? That's perfect <laughs> because because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> Scorpio <laughs> yeah there we go Scorpio would eventually make several tours with New Japan due to the working relationship that they had with WCW before ultimately being released in April 94 due to failing a multiple uh, uh, counts of drug tests uh, as Scorpio puts it it was mostly due to uh, marijuana <laughs> yes yeah. He's there. I mean, because that because that really was kind cool. of around the time it started to be a bigger thing that they were they were testing for it. Yeah. And uh, if you ever heard the stories, it's actually quite interesting. Um, Gosh, yeah. About the the knock on effect it had, but we'll save that for another time. Indeed, indeed. But despite being released, Scorpio was able to be part of two major events that WCW were a big part of. Triple A's When Worlds Collide in 1994 in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone's seen that, it's a very, it's a very weird, it's a very weird event considering how many promotions were a part of that. Because not only did you have Triple A, you had New Japan, you had WCW, you had a couple of uh, other Mexican promotions. So it's kind of one yeah. of those very first super card of super cards. Yeah, uh, like uh, especially for a major American company. I mean, it's a it, it, it's a it's a very AAA thing to do. Absolutely, oh, yes. And of course, the and of course the big one, the infamous one, Collision in Korea in April 1995. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, Collision in Korea. <laughs> collision in Korea. We definitely. There is no doubt in my mind that we will do a future pay per view. Uh, episode. Oh, we're going to have Korea. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's going to have to be that, and at some point, we're going to have to do um, the WCW versus New Japan. Is it the World Cup? The World Cup. Yes. Oh, we need to do that one as well because that's so blurst. <laughs> absolutely, it's so blurst. What the most bizarro event I think in wrestling history. <laughs> But one, I mean, how how do you how do you even try and conceptualize collision in Korea? <laughs> I guess the first thing you got to say that this was this was at the time where Anoki was deep into his political career and was trying to use sports and in particular pro wrestling as a means to bring and unify countries and bring peace. Great in theory. So, so what you're saying is Anoki's the one I have to blame for the term sports washing existing. <laughs> Oh Pretty my! Much. I've never, I have never heard that term. But oh me, my me. god! Oh, I, guess you know, exactly. I, I can, I can guess okay, what it wait, means. Wait. That's a pretty good term. 
Has no so you guys haven't heard the term sports washing? Before. No, no, I've never. Okay, sports washing is the practice that's used by governments to hold like big famous sporting events to cover up inequities with their the running of their governments. And you know what? That for example, for example, Crown Jewel. Yes. <laughs> wow, if honestly, Collision in Korea is that that is described Collision in Korea in a nutshell. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, what I mean. Of course, like collision in Korea took place in Pyongyang, North Korea, as a way of you know doing a part of uh, Anoki's kind of peace, peace with sports. Yeah. Um, and Eric Bischoff saw it as a massive opportunity to stick a middle finger up to WWF in terms of attendance, yeah. which Eric Bischoff can still happily claim to this day. But at what cost, Eric? What cost? What cost? <laughs> it's the it's the thing of like. Yes, you did have a show and packed out a stadium with, I think it's roughly 150,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need, I can't remember it exactly. It's called something like the April 5th or the April 25th stadium. Something like that, yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So yeah. you did have 150,000 or so people in there at the wrestling show, but you also have to accept the fact that, um, probably a um, how should we say this? Ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of those people in there um, didn't have much choice. Yes, uh, one of the very famous quotes is that Scott, when Scott Steiner was being driven up to the stadium, uh, he was said, "Man, we've drawn a big crowd, haven't we?" To which the chauffeur had said, "What do you mean, draw a big crowd?" He said, "Well, all of these people have come here, and you know they've." booked paid their money to get in to which the driver laughed and said they haven't paid to come here they've been forced to come here amazing <laughs> can i just say amazing. i'm sorry can i just say now i've said that the idea of scott steiner in north korea <laughs> and i just say <laughs> it is a miracle a miracle that Scott Steiner was not killed in North Korea. See, you'd think that he, that, that that the Scott that would have been potentially in trouble yeah. with Steiner. It was actually Scott Norton that was the one. That I'm was sorry. In I'm sorry. The idea of Scott Steiner in North Korea was killing me. Yeah, it's fun. No, it's fine. But it's just the idea of Scott Steiner because I because like for, for those of you who want to um who want to learn more about the actual like happenings please watch the dark side of the ring episode oh what absolutely so informative so informative yeah it's one of the best ones and but the idea of scott steiner being one of the wrestlers on their best behavior <laughs> is incredible to, to try and describe scott so for anyone listening that doesn't know who scott steiner is please educate yourself yes oh please for please, the love of god it, like, like, like we all message us and say who is this man? Please give me all the information. Mm. Right. It's, basically, Scott Steiner is if testosterone grew, became sentient. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Scott Scott Steiner is 80s masculinity gained consciousness. Yes. But in a strangely good way? Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> he, he He's like the most... And this is gonna make this is gonna be so cursed by say He's the most he's the most masculine and testosterone fueled himbo. Yes. That's cursed and absolutely correct. Absolutely <laughs> correct, because only a himbo would wear a King Arthur uh, chainmail headpiece. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the wor- in the words of New Legacy, he ten thousand percent got that from porn. <laughs> oh, without question. <laughs> Without question, <laughs> but but like but like the entire thing of this man who is just this fucking ball of testosterone that just goes around saying whatever he wants whenever he wants in North Korea and trying to conceptualize literally anything is the greatest image in my mind ever. Uh, mm. Believe it or not, and the though, fact that yeah, and the fact that he was one of the people on their best behavior <laughs> really speaks something to me, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not, it was Muhammad <clears throat> Ali that said the most controversial things during their time in uh, in North Korea. I mean, to be fair, Muhammad Ali was a very outspoken person, yes. so I yeah. think it tracks. That's uh, right. Uh, uh, that's the thing. Considering North- this man fought the US government about Vietnam, yeah. I think he's going to have some words with North Korea too. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, where were we? Oh, yeah, Two Cold Scorpio. What was he doing during this time? Well, <laughs> oh, what was he doing? <laughs> oh, he got, in, he got into it with Hawk during a coach journey to, to the hotel. Um, I won't go into the details of that, but you can check out several interviews, and it's it's pretty it's pretty um well it's pretty iffy what Hawk and Scorpio were exchanging to one another, so no wonder they got into it. Um, how they weren't detained by the North Korean government, I have no idea, but apparently they just they just looked at them and said, "God, no wonder, no wonder, look, no wonder we call these Americans nuts because look what they're doing right now." <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the very famous story of Scorpio able to conceal two chopsticks and sharpening them up because he was full on going to kill Hawk in North Korea. <laughs> and then let bygones be bygones, to which Hawk said, once we get to Tokyo, then you can punch me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but apart from like, Scorpio says his time was, it was weird there, but he enjoyed, the one thing he genuinely enjoyed was being able to be uh, and talk with Muhammad Ali. Oh, I guess sure. that's the one silver lining on all of that was being able to meet someone as legendary as the greatest of all time. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I can't imagine how influential Muhammad Ali probably was for Two Cold Scorpio growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So with all that being said, shall we move on? Because uh, we've we've talked a little bit about it, but I promise you we will be doing an episode on Collision in no, Korea. No, we're going to have to do a full episode on Collision yeah, in Korea. That's going to be very fascinating. Oh, alrighty then. So let us get on to the next chapter in Scorpio's life. ECW. Scorpio's extreme popularity. So it's after when the World's Collide show uh, aired and ended, Scorpio would then debut for ECW in August 1994 in a fast and frenetic match against Sabu at Hardcore Heaven. Now, little little fun thing here for you. That match is actually on YouTube, available right now. And boy, oh boy. Boy, not only is it fast and frenetic, but uh, it well, it, it it it's peak Sabu. Uh, that's all I'll say. About it, so you know what it is. You know what the best okay. is. Like. Oh no! <laughs> Thank you, Sabu. <laughs> From that match, he was immediately entered into the tournament to crown the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and made it all the way to the grand finals against Shane Douglas. Now, of course, Scorpio would lose that match to Douglas, and uh, Douglas would then go on to do the very famous promo that kickstarted <clears throat> Extreme Championship Wrestling. 
So Scorpio yeah. is a very integral part of ECW becoming what it became. Oh yeah, absolutely. From that point, he would have rivalries and matches with the likes of Shane Douglas, Taz, Chris Jericho, and Mikey Whipwreck. I'm just going to say, obviously as much as um, my views on Chris Jericho have soured over time, um, those two Cold Scorpio matches do hold up. Apparently he doesn't like them as much, which I can't understand because they both they were they were really good matches. Wait, Chris Jericho doesn't like them or Two Cold Scorpio doesn't like them. Jericho. Oh, okay then. Well then I mean he's wrong. <laughs> my faults exactly. <laughs> he would uh, actually one of his most famous feuds, one of my personal favourite feuds of his during this time, was with Dean Malenko. Uh, I mean, in, yeah. in a kind of uh, tit-for-tat rivalry for the ECW Television Championship, which Scorpio would win <clears throat> four times. I mean, it was never a formal feud, um, but I know they have a couple matches together, but just two cold Scorpio versus Rob Van Dam. <laughs> yes, they were also bloody good matches <laughs> which, as well. Frank, frankly, I can't lie, is kind of illegal to have as a booker. <laughs> yes, because I feel like you could just be there and you could just be like absolutely going through it and you're like you're just there and you're like I mean I guess I can book this and you're basically guaranteed like a banger match so indeed um would you believe as well that Scorpio would capture the ECW tag team titles but can you can you tell me little quiz can you guess who his tag team partner was Okay, ECW. This is like 95, 96. ECW, 95, 96, teaming with Two Cold Scorpio. Ooh. I mean, I'll throw out my first guess. Is it Sabu? Incorrect. Because that would be that would that would be the arguably sensible option. <laughs> <laughs> You'd um, last know. Reader, do you have a guess? Oh, I have no guess, but I'm, I'm trying just... to think because I'm okay. Can you can I can I ask a question to give me to point me in a direction? Go on. Okay, is it someone that I would associate with ECW? Absolutely. Actually, you it's would absolutely him one of the pillars of ECW. <laughs> Okay, uh, one of the pillars of ECW, uh, it's not Sabu, I'm guessing it's probably not RVD, although it could be. Nope. Um, wasn't Mikey, probably not one of them. Um, I'm going to say Masato Tanaka? Incorrect. Would you like to know, Dad? Go. The Sandman. Right, almighty. <laughs> okay, I won't lie. I did have him in my list, but I thought there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and I was like, if they, I was like, if they did, I don't remember it. So <laughs> yes, believe it or not, Scorpio teamed with the Sandman to win the ECW Tag Team Titles. Based. Oh. So during this time as well, he actually would tour uh, uh, TPW. As uh, as Two Cold Scorpio and as a new gimmick, Black Wazuma. I'm sorry, what did you say there? Yeah, what was that last part? Black Wazuma. 
What the fuck's a Wazuma? I have no idea, but apparently... I don't know, but it's the most 90-sounding word I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I have no idea, but apparently that was one of his gimmicks. And it was a masked gimmick, I... believe it or not. Because, right. you know, you need to pick up extra money here, there, and everywhere, don't you? No, no, no. Basically, no, 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 no. all I'll say is this. Black, well, if you have a look at it, Basically, Black Wazuma is what Ma- uh, is what Max Moon would look like if he was in the Mad Max universe. Okay, well that's just cursed. <laughs> oh, okay, that's horrible. Like that—that's horrifically cursed. <laughs> and second of all, typing in Wazuma, the only thing I can come up with is one of those motorized tricycles. <laughs> that's all I've got. Okay, I have found an image, and I hate it. What is it? What have you? What have we done? <laughs> oh. Why? Oh man, I don't, I don't get this. Me neither. Sure. Like, yeah, I I don't like that. That's <laughs> Inter- interesting. I hate it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shall I move on quickly so you don't have to see? Yes, more please. Yes. yes. I saw one image and that was enough. That was that was more than enough. <laughs> so, in the lead up to him uh, to, to the end of his time, he would have a series of loser leaves town matches, setting up Scorpio leaving ECW after being signed to the WWF. In 1996, if you'd like to know, kind of like the series yeah. of like loser leaves town matches that he did have, he had a cut. I believe he had one with uh, Blue Meanie, Nova, yeah. Big Guido. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, he had a tag match with his partner, the Sandman, defeating Stevie Richards and Johnny Smith. He had nice. one with. Uh, I believe he had one. Uh, I think it might have been Doug Furness, although I can't be 100% sure about that. But I do believe his last one would have been against Louis Spicoli. Okay, that's correct. interesting. There we go. Louis Spicoli was the one that that, that, that defeated Two Cold Scorpio in 2 minutes 14 seconds. <laughs> oh, ECW. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that, that last Loser Leaves Town was actually a kind of uh, all took place well at November to remember he had kind of like a gauntlet loser leaves town match yeah which saw him uh, yeah. which saw him uh, eventually be defeated by Louis Spicoli still blows my mind uh, yeah an in- <laughs> interesting choice but you know I I don't I don't necessarily hate it <laughs> although I'm not necessarily looking at like yeah that's who I'd have to get. To, to move him on, really pass on the legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next day after November to remember, on the 17th of November 1996, Two Cold Scorpio would debut in the World Wrestling Federation at Survivor Series as Flash Funk. A gimmick. Ridden, we're in your wheelhouse. We are in I your see. wheelhouse. A vibrant gimmick which saw him wear. Bright colours with big lapels on his gear, fur jackets. I'm not, I'm gonna not beat around the bush. Pimp hats, basically big, bri- wide brimmed pimp hats, and two with, backing with dancers the fur. with the fur and backing dancers known as the Funkettes. We're in my time, <laughs> and I, it, you know what? It is incredible how much he actually pulls that off. Yes. 
Because here's here's the one thing I'm going to say about this, right? Because, I mean, again, I still hold Flash Funk as one of, like, I mean, it's kind of, again, it's all part of WWF at the time. But, like, Flash Funk is is arguably representative of one, again, a big failure on on WWF's part, WWE, Mm. however you want to phrase it. But they did have one thing going for it. And that's that Two Cold Scorpio can actually dance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing when that happens, eh? <laughs> like he actually can cut a shuffle, so it's not that bad. See, you can pull off a dancing gimmick if you put give it to the and, right person. And the thing is, right? We we say that people forget in ECW he was dancing all the he danced his way to the ring like all the time. And WCW. So yeah. like, like, like it does it does track. <laughs> But like, absolutely does. <laughs> but like, this was the time where they were just like, "Hmm, he he dances on his way to the ring." Or it's like, give him a funk gimmick. And I'm like, nineteen, like ninety six, ninety seven. By the way, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. God damn it. <laughs> so, like, immediately he became the sta- a staple of superstars and Shotgun Saturday Night. And would even challenge for the intercontinental title on house shows against Hunter Hearst Helmsley to no avail. Unfortunately, this is like shortly after debuting, so um, I'm December time. I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I am in big trouble. <laughs> of course, he would also enter the '96 Royal Rumble to no avail because uh, actually, yeah, I'll let you guys. Who won the '96 Royal? Uh, sorry, the '97 Royal Rumble, I should say. Do you remember who won the 97 Royal Rumble? I can't say that, I do. 1997 Rumble. Uh, it wasn't... This is all stuff I should be able to recall off the top of my head, but... <laughs> I'm going to use the justification. This was the Rumble the year I was born, so... There we go. That's a lie, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> Who was the guy that was getting um, the most popular around 97 before he became the superstar? Was it Stone Cold? Yeah, of course it was. was Stone Cold. Yeah. It makes me laugh. This is the same rumble that uh, that saw fake Razor and fake Diesel. Fuck. <laughs> the fakes. What's with the fakes, man? It also saw Terry Funk in this rumble. I mean, yeah, but Terry Funk just appears everywhere. He does. That's, this this yeah. is also the very famous, infamous Royal Rumble that saw Mil Mascaras enter and eliminate himself by jumping off the top rope and onto the face. Um, this is going to sound like a stupid statement, but I feel like Terry Funk is the Wilhelm scream of wrestling. <laughs> no, it's that's true. That's He's true. appeared literally anywhere and everywhere at any moment. <laughs> That is very... Gosh, that is true. Damn. Damn, son. (laughs) So, apart from the odd television match here and there against guys like The Goon, believe it or not, uh, and competing in the European title tournament during the 97 European Tour, which, of course, saw that great final between Owen Hart and British Bulldog. Oh, absolute banger. WWF really didn't do anything with Funk. Like... I, I I mean immediately like as soon as he debuted he had that uh, appearance in the Royal, uh, Survivor Series uh, competing for one team, uh, nothing. 
Like literally, yeah. he, he was relegated to superstars and shotgun Saturday night as soon as he came into the company. Because I know they had him there for the. Do you remember that Raw ECW thing? Yeah, they had him in for that. They actually had him against Rob Van. No, against Sabu. Sa- Sabu. I, I was mixing that up with uh, Jeff Hardy versus RVD, but no, they yeah. the reason they put him in there and Paul Heyman, believe it or not, was on commentary in that match as well, and he. Could, the absolutely references that uh, Flash Funk and Sabu do have a history with each other in ECW yep. uh, during that match. Uh, apart from that, li- again, little bits here, he would be like the enhancement talent when they had the TV yeah. things. <clears throat> I can't understand. Like, here's the thing. You have a guy with amazing agility and they were putting that over and you could hear the crowd being really amazed by it. Again, I Why think not? the problem uh, the problem is is that WWF at this time or WWE or whatever the hell they were um, really didn't value anything below heavyweight class wrestling. because yeah. yeah. it, it's the thing I say to people. Um, I can't remember who it was. I want I want to say it might have been SCW Steve that was asking about underrated matches recently. Mm-hmm. And I was there, and I went, I'm going to tell you right now, okay? Takamichi Noku versus the great Sasuke from Raw. It's, oh, that is another It's such match. a great match, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But, and I mean, we, me and Sam can sit here and wax lyrical about Takamichi Noku. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the great Sasuke. Everyone knows how good the great Sasuke is. Yes. Right? And he is... And it is, it is ridiculous that they literally just had Takamichinoku just like kicking around with like the whole light heavyweight belt that no one, that the company didn't care about. Because literally, th- you have to remember as well, this is analogous to WCW Cruiserweights. Yeah. When they were taking the wrestling world by storm. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and you go, oh, who have WWF got? And then you see, for example, Flash Funk, Two Cold Scorpio, and Takamichi Noku just sitting there, both on Raw mm-hmm. at the same time period. And they were just like, nah, nothing. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, this also comes at a time where uh, Tajiri actually ended up doing a couple of appearances for yeah. uh, for the light heavyweight division. But I remember very, very specifically that they misspelled his name on the name bar and they called him Tajari. Oh, that's... that's, that's and here I thought they'd misspelled the Yoshihiro. No, 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 no. They just billed him as Tajari. I hate so much right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. So, Scorpio, there is a silver lining to this. Scorpio was would fortunately be able to go back to ECW every so often to a good reception, to good to great reception. And by 1998, he would actually go back to using the Too Cold Scorpio name in WWF and then eventually short, shortening it to Scorpio. So after a couple of alliances with old friend Ron Simmons and another with Terry Funk, of course, not to be uh, like uh, the commentators when he, before he became Scorpio, would say Flash Funk, not related to Terry Funk, because of course we wouldn't know that Flash and Terry were related. 
I, mean, yes, I don't no. know what could ever give you that impression. Hey, marriage is a, is a weird thing. What can I it say? It is. Basically, we hear Scorpio going, you damn son of a bitch. No. <laughs> and, no. Scorpio would enter. My, ah. <laughs> Scorpio would enter the Brawl for All tournament, replacing oh Ken Shamrock God. and losing in the quarterfinals. Now, I'm skimming that over because, well, the Brawl for All was... We don't, we so don't need to talk more about the Brawl for All. It's a yeah. thing that happened. Hokedex, um, no. <laughs> yes. Basically, all we know is that it was created because Vince Russo hates JBL. Um, the Brawl for All, an excuse to get involved in a workplace liability lawsuit. Yes. <laughs> So let's let's skip that and go to late 1998. This saw Scorpio join forces with Al Snow, Bob Holly, Dwayne Gill, and the Blue Meanie to form the Job Squad. Come on, man! Man, the, the group were a parody of the NWO, with each member being noted as enhancement talent in the Fed. Like they weren't even like making it secret they were fully in your face like these oh, guys no. lose all the time so let's put them together yep. so again there's the whole thing of like there's nothing wrong with being enhancement talent what it's not good is shoving it in people's faces that they're enhancement talent mm -hmm. and also making enhancement talent out of people that have been successful in other places out of spite mm -hmm. yeah so it's i mean it whilst the gimmick is well remembered as everyone kind of still kind of remembers the job squad well i'd say specifically definitely remembers al snow being kind of like a, a, a pillar yeah. of the job squad there and uh, of course everyone knows Dwayne gill from that point would end up uh becoming gilberg and winning the light heavyweight title and being the longest reigning light heavyweight champion may i add uh that i maintain that is still a crime <laughs> uh Nothing of note was done during the Job Squad's time. I'll tell you what's the most notable thing I found. Road Dog once wore a Job Squad shirt the night he joined DX with Billy Gunn and X-Pac. Uh. That is the only noted thing on the internet people say was was of the Job Squad. Weird. Okay. So, this brings us to February 1999. Scorpio... Uh, requested some time off uh, due to personal problems. Uh, it was actually, unfortunately, during this time, his drug problem was becoming much worse, and he began using other substances. According, I think it was the uh, the Sean Oliver interview, he said, it's like, because I was making so much money, I was going from one substance to a stronger substance, and because I had so much money, I could afford the other substance and got way too addicted to it. I'm not going to say which substance it is because, you know, this is a podcast and we could get banned yeah. for using those certain ones. <laughs> but apart from get, uh, instead of getting request, uh, getting um, granted the time off uh, and because of his worsening drug problem, he was just released instead from the WWF. Oof. Uh, his last match, actually, his last televised match would be uh, him and Job Squad member Hardcore Holly losing to Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett on the February 6th, 99 edition of Shotgun Saturday Night, ultimately being the Job Squad's last televised match. So, a bit of a damp squib to end on, but Scorpio did come back to ECW, 
uh, make a triumphant return in April 1999 at Cyberslam in a TV title match against Rob Van Dam and would sporadically make appearances with the company whilst having tours with All Japan and other US indies. With a stopgap, may I add, to the absolute worst pay-per-view of all time, Heroes of Wrestling. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) His final... Look, a a paycheck's a paycheck's a paycheck. Uh, Indeed, though it still boggles my mind where he came down with a replica WCW title, but, you know, to each their own, I guess. (laughs) His final ECW appearance was as a surprise opponent facing off against Mike Awesome for his ECW world title on the uh, 2nd of December 99 episode of ECW on TNN. Uh, great match, by the way, and it's typical Mike Awesomeness. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mike Awesome forever. Absolutely. So with Mike ep- Awesome fucking forever, man. So with all this, though, and as I said, <laughs> making tours with All Japan, he was getting very successful and he was getting uh, quite over with the fans in Japan and he had solid ring work and he also teamed, guess who? He teamed up with Vader Yes! <laughs> the childhood story was complete <laughs> He was one of the many roster members to leave en masse with Mitsuharu Masawa to form his own promotion Pro Wrestling Noah It's funny, because I didn't even think about him being part of that, but he'd be perfectly in the time for it. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. I think it was all but three members of the All Japan roster left with Mitsuharu. I think it was basically basically just Kawada was just on his own. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it pretty much was what had happened, I believe. It was... uh... I think the the, the the kind of like uh, the cliff note story or the abridged story from what I remember is that when Baba unfortunately passed away and yeah. uh, and all Japan went to his uh, it was inherited by I believe it might have been family members or by his wife. Yes, uh, by his wife. By his wife. She she made some decisions that weren't very popular uh, with a lot of the roster, especially to Masawa, and so Masawa was like, "Screw this! I'm going to make my own promotion, and you can come with me if you want." But it's all good if you want to stay. And as I said, all but three left <laughs> to go to pro- to go with the Sama. <laughs> so this brings us to his time in pro wrestling Noah. Scorpio would end up having a tremendous several years working for Noah, starting on its very first show in October 2000. Him and Vader would continue their alliance as a dominant tag team, eventually winning the first... Uh, GHC Tag Team Tournament and eventually becoming uh, the GHC Tag Team Champions. Throughout all of this though he was having some incredible singles matches as well with Kenta Kobashi Akira Tawe Junakiyama and Yoshinobu Kanemaru and throughout all of this... The the Akiyama matches are are great but then again Akiyama at that time was fucking brilliant Yes yeah, so this was a time where Scorpio was becoming stiff. Like he had a, knee- he was doing like flying knees that were like hitting people right yeah. on the chin. <laughs> it, it it's really interesting because it, it does obviously provide more credence to my theory. But people just go to pro wrestling Noah and then just go decide. I'm just gonna go crazy. Yes, and oh god, like Scorpio go crazy. And like time. it just seems to be this thing that weirdly tracks. <laughs> So it was after, I mean, from this, he was becoming a fan favorite with the Japanese audience. And at one point was beca- became like, was considered one of the company's best baby faces. 
So, after unfortunately losing the tag titles in 2002, Vader and Scorpio would continue teaming until Vader's departure in 2003. Now, you're going to love this. Scorpio would find a new partner in one of Britain's greats, Doug Williams. Now, you're talking my language. (laughs) They themselves, as a team, would capture the GHC tag titles in 2005 in a match against Naomichi Marafuji and Minoru Suzuki. Would you believe this match took place in a joint FWA Noah show in Morecambe? What? (laughs) Wait. A joint FWA and Pro Wrestling Noah show in Morecambe. Correct. You heard me right. I mean, props to the guy who ever managed to pull that coup off. For all intents and purposes, and from what I've seen for people voting on it on Cage Match, it was actually a really solid match. Uh, a lot of people seem to have enjoyed that one. Um, apparently, uh, from what I've seen in some of the in the matches I rec- uh, can recollect and watched online as well, Scorpio and Williams were actually quite a good tag team. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, because, I mean, <clears throat> you've, got, you've got Scorpio for kind of the more high-flying stuff and like the more... Especially like a hot tag, mm. and then Doug Williams to do all the steady work. Yeah, they they complemented each other very very well. It still blows my mind that at one point Scorpio and Doug Williams went up against Marafuji and Suzuki in Morecambe. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, one thing this always is always makes me remember is I forget that Marafuji's been going for years. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so the problem much. is, and the problem is, he still looks twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know what, what where the fountain of youth he's been drinking from is. Yeah, I know. There's something in that water that's clearly working. <laughs> 2006, <coughs> would see Scorpio win the GHC Hardcore Openweight Championship against Kanemaru in a very solid match. But it was from all of this and through word of mouth and his popularity in Japan that he got he was back on the radar with WWE. And would you believe they signed Scorpio to a brand new deal? Oh my. Oh my. So in 2006, portraying Flash Funk once more, he would appear in Deep South Wrestling, WWE's developmental promotion. This was cursed, but then I remembered. Oh crap! Yeah, he was in Deep South for a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah. He'd go on to make a make. He made occasional dark match appearances in the main shows here and there, but he was let go in 2007 without ever making a main roster appearance. Rude. So, reasoning for this, he believes in a recent interview actually on Hannibal TV. Scorpio believes the reason uh, the WWE actually signed him was so that they could acquire the license to the two Cold Scorpio name for their on-demand services, and thus this would result in him losing royalties in archive footage of WCW and ECW. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. His final appearance, of course, for WWE would be on the Raw 15th anniversary Battle Royale in late 2007. Uh, if you remember that, I believe it had guys like Skinner 
uh, the goon, Pete Gas yeah. for the Beat Street Posse, Steve Blackman, who looked like he'd not aged a day, Gangrel, Erwin uh, R. Scheister. They had all yeah. the good gimmicks there on that Battle Royal, and I can't remember for the life of me who won that one. I'm, I'm pretty wait, sure it is, wasn't it is, the Iron Sheik. <laughs> wait, wait, is that, is that the gimmick Battle Royale? No, it, this was the Anniversary Battle Royale. That's oh, the I don't know who won the Anniversary one. No, but I was, I'm hoping it wasn't Cheeky Baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, this brings us to our last chapter, the resurgence of Two Cold Scorpio. So after his release, Scorpio's bookings began to dwindle quite a bit actually so he would make occasional appearances in tna slash impact of course they had that whole hardcore reunion thing back in 2010 he would make occasional appearances in jakara and juggalo championship wrestling but not i don't care my uh, my people laugh at juggalo championship wrestling but i will remind people that for a time it was the best paying and the best paying indie with the best conditions yep it's crazy the juggalo the juggalos continue to fascinate <laughs> i know it, it's genuinely fascinating that when i read the story to people they're like no no they paid well and they they looked after us really well yeah <laughs> isn't it amazing what violet j and shaggy two dope have so much respect for the wrestlers unlike most other bookers and promoters it's genuinely fascinating <laughs> So of all these appearances, though, they weren't too much fanfare. People were like, oh, yeah, he was... That's too cold Scorpio. I remember him from uh, from back in the day. I was, I was nice to see him still wrestling here and there. It was basically he was being kind of put in these matches and cards as kind of like a, a, a legend in kind of like those, like, a attraction-style matches. The ones where, oh, look, we booked this guy. See him in action here or there. But through this, though, he did end up actually win going on this time to win the 2013 Ray uh, De, uh, Voladores uh, 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 ch- uh, championship in Jakara uh, against in a match against ACH, believe it or not. But, you know, he did end up, apart from this, though, with the bookings dwindling, he did end up having some notable matches uh, with guys against Scorpio Sky, AJ Gray, Sugar mm-hmm. Dunkerton, and Darius Lockhart, believe it or not. But it was in late 2019, early 2020, where something really interesting started to happen. His online presence and the love for Scorpio on social media began to rise. And with that, combining that with a couple of big indie bookings that came his way. So AIW's Baby It's Too Cold Outside uh, event on uh, December 2019... Uh, Scorpio took part in a four-way match between uh, Wheeler Utah, Matt Cross, and KTB. From all intents and purposes, a lot of people were really impressed by Scorpio in that match, how he's able to keep up with all three competitors. Yeah. And there was a very notable match at the beginning of 2020 against Lufisto for C4 mm. that people were very impressed with. But it was with those matches that came the big announcement that Too Cold Scorpio was the first name announced for GCW's For the Culture event at WrestleMania weekend. One of the premier events in GCW's uh, week of events that was primarily booked by AJ Gray and featured the best in black wrestling. But then, of course, the world happened, and I don't even want to go into that because it's still currently happening as we speak. (laughs) We did eventually get For the Culture, though, in October 2020, and he put on a clinic 
against AR Fox, which if you haven't seen... Which, I... can I just say, Two Cold Scorpio and AR Fox is just like straight up dream material. Yeah. Like it's... the the classic you know, black indie high flyer mm-hmm. to arguably one of the best modern ones. Yes. It was magical. It was oh, I remember soon after that match ended, how basically Twitter like wrestling Twitter blew up and being like, Holy fuck, where has two cold Scorpio been all this time and how can yes. you still do this? So it's like what uh, that brings to me is like what was clear when watching this is that even at fifty four years young, Scorpio has not lost a beat in his high flying move set. Like how in the world at fifty four can he still pull off the tumbleweed, the moon salt leg drop? Is beyond me. How, dude, can you still pull off the tumbleweed? Uh, I. I wake up and I hear my joints cracking. <laughs> yes. Okay. Big mood. <laughs> same. 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 Let's not bring, let's not actually uh, account for the fact as well that I feel a lot of what made Scorpio popular around this time, a lot of what it, it is, I would say, contributes to IQ's incredible highlight video of Two Cold Scorpio. Because I swear to Look. God, as soon as he put that up, a lot of people. Started to really remember. As I as I said in the tweet, is that like obviously we said right we we were thinking of doing a video for Two Cold Scorpio to like you know pay tribute and everything like that ahead of this episode, even though it's not a great wrestler or anything. But then, as I said to Sam, I kind of deeped it, and I was like, I kind of just want to make IQ's video, and IQ's video exists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I can't lie, like. I'm I'm looking at this idea and I'm like, man, I've got these really good ideas. I'm like, someone's already done them. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, IQ. We do indeed, IQ, my my my, my master. Uh, <laughs> as I said, you know, as we as we've made it clear on Twitter, I am the shooter to his John Moxley. <laughs> and of course, he would go on to main event the second for the culture in 2021 in a solid main event against Rich Swan. It was a damn good match, that was. Oh, yeah. Really so good is, match. So that is where we leave Scorpio at the moment, riding this huge wave of momentum and having more bookings for GCW and having very consistent matches in the American Indies. So I guess it's like, with all of that, with me going over and having this retrospective, is it still? Uh, do you still find Two Cold Scorpio's career a little bit unbelievable? Because, be honestly, it kind of is. What in the hell is this career? <laughs> like he's, it. I mean, obviously, the first half is just so unbelievable as is. Yes, but the sec the second half is like, yeah, my man got in his Benjamin Button shit. <laughs> yeah, like, dude. <laughs> Like he went through the rough patch in the early, and now he's older, and he's absolutely the he's the revered hero he rightfully should be. Yeah, the story of Two Cold Scorpio reads like the Forrest Gump of wrestling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's you can, ridiculous. You can pinpoint the exact moment where he met the president. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did the tumbleweed. All that man's buttocks. No. <laughs> 
That's a sentence that I've heard now. That is certainly heard. Man, what's... I mean, Scorpio is... When you really look more into him, and the more you hear and watch of him, you start to realise, damn, this guy is a lot more influential than I think people give him credit for. (laughs) A lot more influential. I mean, that, that, that is the thing. Like, honestly, I think the influence he's had over the black wrestling scene in the last couple years is really, really at the top. And of course, like uh, we can talk about the, the rich world of, of black high flyers now mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, have take, that have taken inspiration from him. Gosh. Oh, um, I mean, you say you know, rich Swan standing for 50, uh, ACH, um, ACH, Chris Bay, Leo Rush. Um, yeah, Leo Rush. Um, you know, all these all these people. And uh, it, very, it very much is one of those situations that I'm just happy more than anything that a person who, you know, was missed by people at large but still held, obviously still held in regard by black wrestling fans is now getting his flowers. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of. Uh, uh, it reminds me to a certain extent of PCO and his career resurgence. Yeah, and I'm really no, hoping absolutely. it kind of ends the same way for Scorpio, where he wins a world title. D- look, I'm gonna call it now. I would not, not scoff at Two Cold Scorpio being GCW World Champion in a great match against John Moxley. I'm just saying. No, but I don't even think that's I don't even think that's a far possibility. I mean we've got they've got the possibility of that. Um you know, it, again I go I go back to her. If they were interested, I'd certainly be interested to see if they could try something like you know, two cold Scorpio versus AJ Gray at a GCW event. I mean, I would like to see. I definitely would like to see uh, the most G- recent GCW event. They had a triple threat with uh, Ninja Mac, Leo Rush, and Alex Zane. Yeah, make it a four way and put Scorpio in there because <laughs> that would be just or hell, you know, we, Um, like I said, two cold Scorpio versus Chris Bay. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Um, or just you know any any manner of the any manner of amazing people out there. Um, it just blows my mind that fifty five were going. Yeah, Scorpio could have all of these great matches, and then you remember, <laughs> holy shit, he could have all of these great matches, and he's in his mid fifties. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I genuinely like. It, it's crazy looking at it and being like, oh yeah, he's in his fifties cool <laughs> yeah it's, but here's the, the question that really kind of comes to me with this would like is this a would he have been able to have these kinds of matches these great matches as a younger person or is it because of now the experience that he has that allows him to do i and i'll give you I, both really i would say i think there i think there is a deep argument for both i think the biggest thing that's allowing to have him to do this now is just the unprecedented level of freedom in wrestling now. Yes. Because it you know, the things are able to be so much more open now. Um, you know, and you know, he doesn't have to be 
I mean, I say he's lo- you know you're locked in with GCW, but GCW lets you do basically whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's got all the possibility to do what functionally whatever he wants. And I'm here, and I'm saying, and I'm saying all of this. And I remember the match he had a um uh not the most recent GCW event, but one of the ones before one a month or two ago, mm-hmm. where they ran two cold Scorpio versus the Grim Reefer. Yes. Which is like the most absurd match ever. <laughs> the most absurd name ever. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, and just, you know, I'm looking at this and they probably have a combined age of like 90 something. Yeah. Um, and like, you know what? It was a good match. It was weird, but it was good. Some great skill images that came from this match, <laughs> like some. Great you, ever see, you, ever, you ever seen? You ever seen a guy do an entire sequence and keep a spliff in his mouth? What? That's the Grim Reaper oh, for you. What? What? what, to, describe, what? The, to describe the Grim Reaper, the Grim Reaper is a wrestler whose entire gimmick is that he smokes weed, and he's been kicking. He's been kicking about in like the the Jersey Indies for years. <laughs> Um, and so his his promotions. <laughs> and so his 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 thing that he's been doing when he's been doing the stuff for GCW and this like weird JCW GCW resurgence, um, is he does sequences while still keeping a spliff in his mouth. It's unbelievable. It, it's it's impressive. <laughs> That's GCW for you, though. Yeah, really. GCW. <laughs> oh man so that is where we end this retrospective on two cold scorpio uh, for now anyway because i feel like the man's got a couple of good ye- more years left in him and i think we've only seen the beginning of this resurgence and here's hoping all things go well he's still in very good health doesn't get injured like seriously injured he's gonna have some really good matches in the future like I'm waiting, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the match with AJ Gray for the Culture 2022. I'd say book it now, AJ, because I think a lot of people would love <laughs> to see that. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> oh, so that ends another episode. But before we head off, we're gonna have to talk about who we're gonna be talking about next week. Oh, this one's a doozy. So for our penultimate episode for Black History Month, we get to talk about Stevie Ray. We get to talk about Booker T. Oh, hell yeah. We're talking about Harlem Heat, baby. That's the line that this is. There's the line I can't say. What, the Stevie glare? Because I was going to say we're going to be talking about the Stevie Ray glare. The infamous Stevie Ray glare. Oh, yeah. But, of course, we talk about everything from their start in the wrestling industry to their individual successes. Uh, we get to talk about their promo style and how different that was. Um... I don't know if we want to talk about that certain promo, but I don't. <laughs> we like, have we'll, to talk about look, that we'll promo. We'll find we will find a way to talk about we that promo, and by and by we will find a way. I mean, I will defer. Yeah, <laughs> and we will certainly talk about that weird storyline that saw Harlem Heat reform with Ahmed Johnson becoming Big T, Booker T losing the T in his name, so he just became Booker, and then he became GI Bro. WCW <laughs> in 2000 ladies and gentlemen but that is all to come on next week's episode but until then I have been Sam this has been Dan and Reardon and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast we will see you as always 
on the next one. Bye, everybody! Bye-bye! Bye! -bye. Yeah. Bye.